This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, midweek Wednesday, April 19th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. There are strategies for new graduates to get the best shot at a job as they start their careers. We'll discuss them in our next segment. But right now, if you're fortunate enough to get a tax refund this year and you can resist the temptation of instant spending, there are things you can do to make that money work for you. Let's get some suggestions from Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is EngageWealthGroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. 20 years ago, back when I was a single guy living in Milwaukee, I did. Uh, I got a nice tax refund one year, and I spent that tax refund on a DVD player. And it did provide four years of entertainment, but it needed to be replaced in, uh, in sometime in 2007. So uh, what are some ways that you can do to make that money last longer than the life of that DVD player two decades ago? Hey, Rob, it's a great story you shared because most people, when they get this refund back, uh, it's one of the first things they think about is, hey, how do I go spend this money? Because it's it's added money that you necessarily weren't thinking about. But two things that are really important, Rob, for you and the listeners is if you're getting really large refunds back, let's say 5% of your adjusted gross income, don't forget we are not in a 0% interest rate environment. Interest rates today on savings accounts and CDs are 4 to 4.5%. So try to mitigate these tax, these uh, interest-free loans to Uncle Sam. That's first and foremost. But second, look at doing things with these, this refund putting it into an IRA or investing it or a Roth IRA, making a contribution this year and kickstarting that plan for the future. And it's even though this is an interest-free loan to the government, the uh, refund that you're getting back, um, it's it's very easy to fall into the temptation that this is a little bit of mad money to play with. And we talk about investing concepts. We have the Stock Picker Monday segment uh, on this program. So uh, why not use that tax refund as a little bit of seed money to actually uh, get your hands dirty and start playing the market? Yeah, it's a great point, Rob. What you're doing is you're not you're not using that money for consumption purposes, right? To buy that DVD player, to buy other things. And that's kind of an important element. But yes, starting that money to seed account, another thing that comes to mind for your listeners is if you have high credit card debt, please use this refund to get those credit card debts down because you're not making 12, 15, 20% interest rates as you're paying in those interest payments. So if you get this unexpected windfall, use it in a proper way to help your finances. 
pay down, pay down some debt, pay down some credit card debt, or to your point, kickstart an investment fund to use that money for longer term growth. Yeah, it's, it's really intriguing. Explain the concept of, of interest in, interest out to people, because uh, yes, if you do uh, pay down your credit card debt, your interest payments do go down. At the same time, if you put that money in the stock market, thanks to compounding interest, uh, that money will eventually accrue value ahead of inflation. Yeah, if we're looking at one or the other, Rob, we're always looking for that guaranteed rate. So if your listeners are paying a 20% interest rate, let's say, on their credit card balances, there's nowhere we can get that money guaranteed. But we can guarantee to those who are listening and doing this, we're going to save them 20% in interest payments. So, yes, a balance between stock market and, and credit card interest, I would much rather have people pay down their credit card debt because that's a guaranteed savings of that interest payment that you would be making to the card. So that's sort of the differences between the two. But again, focusing on what you can control, which is that credit card debt, what a great way to pay down some of that debt, which then can free you up for more cash flow to put more money into your 401k or other investments. And then whatever's left over, you can spend on the DVD player. Which I'm, guess, which I'm guessing is a lot cheaper today <laughs> compared to 2003. Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, a look at the job market for college graduates. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As graduates hit the job market, let's see what's in store for them and other newer members of the workforce. Welcome in Rick Cobb, founder of the Workplace Consulting Firm to discern in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. And uh, graduation season is here. We're about a month away from uh, lots of commencement speeches and uh, what they call in the TV business B-roll video of uh, graduates wearing uh, mortarboards that say, hire me, as they uh, get ready to hit the, uh, hit the workforce. And what is the job market like for the class of 2023? Sure. Well, I think the market's still relatively strong, particularly for graduates. Let's take a look at a couple of things. You know, the first of all, graduates have to appreciate this is not the only job you'll ever have. Your first job, more than ever, is not going to be the last job you have. So that first job is about gaining experience and becoming credible to the larger job market for the future. Statistically, it's very likely that you're going to change jobs at least three or four times over the course of your career. The other part of it, it's important. We're only, you know, nationally, we're at 4.5% unemployment. There's a lot of fun headlines about having huge increases in the number of layoffs. We have. But the original numbers were so small that if they quadruple, it's not really that big a deal. And in Illinois, every single market sector, except non-farm payroll, every single market sector, except for technology, is up. Technology is the only one that's down, and it's down marginally. A lot of these layoffs came from really big companies, certainly big technology companies and then other large companies. And that job growth in the United States always happens at the mid-cap and smaller. So there's lots of opportunities out there. In general, uh, with uh, maybe five weeks to go until graduation day, uh, how many college seniors have a job lined up already and how many are still looking? I think the majority, I'm speaking for off the cuff. I don't have data for you on that. I think the majority of college seniors that are not in an internship environment are likely to still be looking, except for the STEM background students, which are always going to be able to find something. You know, they, they, these entry jobs in STEM now actually make a difference in the organization from the very beginning. 
So the learning curve for them is not as steep because a lot of the things that they can they know already uh, are, are are needed immediately. And they're and the cost to hire them is again against keeping uh, a senior manager is is there's no comparison in terms of the trade off. And then it seems like there were some concerns because uh, stories are coming out that some big financial firms are delaying the start dates for their new graduates. Is that a sign of trouble ahead? Well, I think that, yeah, again, we're talking big. And, and so the story will always be focused on the large companies. So, yes, absolutely. If you're talking about one of the large financial firms, they are their eyes on the, of Wall Street are on them more than any. They're constantly being looked at for headcount and productivity per head. That's not where people should be looking. You You can go there eventually the same way you might go to Harvard, but Maybe go to a different school and transfer in after you've got great grades and a couple of years under your belt. I think that's a great way to look at the market. The biggest problem for graduates is they have a tendency to look where everybody's looking. You know, we, we look at our peer group and we say, where are the jobs? And they go on all the different job boards and posting areas. That's In general, that's not where you're going to find for a job. But when the market starts to tighten up, it's absolutely not where you're going to find the job. You just increased your competition for a very finite number of jobs. And a lot of those jobs that get posted, they have to, by, by either company policy or just in terms of uh, optics, post the jobs, but they may already have somebody lined up. You need to take control agency of your job search. Get out there and connect with everybody you know in the market who has the ability to connect you with somebody who might hire and have those meetings. It's hard on your ego, but it's the fastest way to find work. And then if you're a college graduate entering the workforce, uh, is does, does LinkedIn, for example, make things easier for you today compared to, let's say, 25 years ago when it was strictly networking and maybe a, uh, a school job placement office? Uh, I, my opinion, again, my experience, we had, I had clients in, in years past who actually got catfished off of LinkedIn. I, think that happened, I don't think that happens much anymore. I think the best use of LinkedIn is to do the research on the organizations that you're going to hopefully have a conversation with, understand who the decision makers are, what their structure is, what the growth is, do your homework, but you you get hired face-to-face, and there are very few people out there other than family and friends that you know well who are just going to take you and say, of course, I don't know you, but I'm going to introduce you to somebody who might want to hire you even though that's not my job and I don't know if that's true. You really have to use it as research, and then you ha- you make your own path by taking agency of your search. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, Netflix delays its password-sharing crackdown. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Netflix has released its quarterly report as it delays a crackdown on password sharing by users. We're joined by Jamie Lumley, senior analyst at Third Bridge in New York. Jamie, welcome to the program. And what is uh, driving Netflix's decision-making here to uh, delay the password-sharing crackdown? Thanks for having me, and it's certainly a great question. As we look at this rollout of the crackdown on password sharing, it's certainly one of Netflix's top priorities this year, and one of the things we've been hearing from our experts is something they really want to get right. As we look at these delays, it's clear they want to manage any fallout from the initial implementation. There's already been the trial period within some Latin markets, within Canada, within Spain, New Zealand. And based off of the reports yesterday, it certainly sounds like there has been 
initially some drop-off in subscribers when these uh, measures are implemented. And Netflix really wants to make sure that it gets it right once it starts to roll out in major markets like the U.S. and the rest of the world. I was going to ask, uh, what does this mean for not only uh, the Netflix subscriber base, but also the revenue it generates from subscribers? I mean, do they anticipate that some people uh, who've been uh, riding the the Netflix, uh, uh, getting a Netflix free ride for years will uh, sign up and become paying customers? So that is certainly the hope from Netflix. And looking at the way they're approaching this, Netflix anticipates there might be 100 million households which are sharing passwords. And if they are able to crack into even a small percentage of that, that is nothing but accretive when it comes to their revenue and their bottom line as well. And as they're looking at that, they definitely also want to manage uh, to have those new users become subscribers and not to think, man, this isn't actually worth it. I should look at some of the other options that are out there. Look into space. It's incredibly saturated. So there are certainly some other choices. But Netflix is hoping, based off of its pricing, based off the content that they have, that by and large, they'll be able to tap into that potential 100 million household opportunity. And then lastly, uh, let's uh, let's uh, uh, hold a funeral very briefly for the Netflix d- DVD by mail service, which was the thing that made Netflix Netflix 20 years ago. Certainly, I think a number of people may be surprised that it was still around to this day, but that is where Netflix had its start. Um, certainly the end of an era to see that moving, but also a sign of the current times. Netflix and other streamers are very focused on driving profitability within this new environment. And even though there's the nostalgia for this sort of roots from the company that where they began, uh, it is focused on what's next and really prioritizing its main key business lines. Now, did they say what's going to happen to the people who maybe never mailed it back? The <laughs> their, their DVDs from Netflix uh, is somebody who uh, kept their copy of Superbad 15 years ago. Are they off scot-free? You know, it's a great question. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there wondering if they're going to be able to get a free DVD. And uh, we'll have to wait and see how Netflix is going to approach this. But I imagine that they're hoping to get as many of those DVDs back. Jamie Lumley, Senior Analyst with Third Bridge in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday. Getting ready for an expected credit crunch. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A Supreme Court decision involving the abortion pill could come today. Arrests have been made in a deadly shooting at a teenager's birthday party in Alabama over the weekend. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. Things you can do to get ahead of an expected credit crunch. CEOs and corporate insiders appear to have a different view of the economy and markets. WBBM business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 66 points. The NASDAQ up 22. The S&P 500 is up just a fraction. We have 58 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a Supreme Court ruling related to abortion is expected today. 
The high court is weighing in on whether one of the most commonly used abortion pills in the country would still be available after a Texas judge had ruled to suspend the FDA's approval of the drug. This is a case that doesn't have any precedent and will have consequences that go beyond abortion. Paula Avila Guillen is with the Women's Equality Center. The ruling could really challenge the authority of the FDA to actually regulate many medicines that's in the market right now. Stacy Lynn, CBS News, Washington. Two people are under arrest and charged with murder in connection with a shooting that killed four people at a Sweet 16 birthday party in Alabama on Saturday. The violence has shocked the small town of Dadeville, population 32 In addition to the young people who died, another 32 were wounded, some of them critically. Police say multiple individuals began shooting sometime after the birthday celebrant's mother paused the celebration and asked people with guns to leave. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com based in San Diego. Jim, thank you for joining us today. And if you're an investor or a trader and you really do kind of follow the ups and downs of the markets, the daily movements hour by hour, how do you evaluate a week like this where the uh, first, you know, the biggies report as uh, earnings season gets underway? Well, I think the most, the obvious thing to me, uh, Rob, is that we're seeing uh, hardly any selling pressure. So in an absence of selling pressure, uh, the market is going to trend upward uh, just because people have confidence that, gee, the numbers weren't worse. And and that doesn't come as a surprise. According to the uh, Atlanta Fed's GDP now forecast, the first quarter GDP was 2.5%. So the majority of companies are going to probably come in with okay numbers, and that reassures investors. And I think that's why the market's had an upward tilt and is likely to continue to move a little bit higher in the near term. And uh, the ones that did report today, some big ones report after the bell. IBM, Las Vegas Sands, and Tesla are the uh, big names that will report uh, after 3 o'clock Chicago time this afternoon. We talked a little bit about uh, Netflix, uh, their shares falling 3% uh, as they push back their plans to clamp down on password sharing. Morgan Stanley uh, talked about how uh, just just the rough deal-making environment uh, hit their first quarter numbers. Yes. So, you know, you have some specific information regarding really every single company that reports and investors are going to evaluate, you know, how meaningful is that just to that specific company or does it have a broad spectrum uh, input, you know, for the overall market. But again, I think the overriding uh, factor, I think, for Wall Street is the belief that there is not going to be a recession and that the Fed will start to lower rates in the second half of this year. And in my opinion, Rob, there is no chance that the Federal Reserve will lower the funds rate as long as the unemployment rate is below 4%. So I think Wall Street's wrong about that. And secondly, I think we are going to see a a fairly significant slowing as we get to mid-year and beyond. I think Wall Street's wrong about that, too. But until we get data points that, uh, you know, if you will, addresses that and clarifies that, Wall Street will continue to have this belief that everything's going to be okay and the Fed's going to be cutting rates. It doesn't get much better than that. And that's why I think in the near term, we can see more upside. If the S&P gets above 4,200, a pop to 4,300, 
uh, I think could happen very quickly. And then when it comes to uh, discretionary spending and, and, and earnings reports that really are more of a heat check on the uh, American consumer, the airlines are reporting and uh, they look fairly optimistic. I mean, United uh, did post a loss for the first quarter, but they have revised their guidance upward for the rest of the year. Yeah, the bottom line is consumers came into this year with a lot of money still in savings, the unemployment rate near a 50-year low. Social Security payments for 66 million Americans went up by 8.7%. So that's the reason why I think Wall Street has been thinking that there's going to be a recession sooner. Um, But that has kept the economy going. My belief is that if you look at the inverted yield curve, uh, leading economic index and rising uh, bank lending standards. In the fourth quarter, uh, 43% of all banks had increased lending standards, Rob. Historically, going back to the last 35 years, whenever it's exceeded 20%, a recession has followed. So those are the reasons why I think we're going to see more pronounced slowing in the second half of this year. But in the near term, you know, the consumer is going to continue to spend, uh, which is obviously going to sustain the economy until it stops. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com, based in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, dealing with what's expected to be a credit crunch in the U.S. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. Signs are pointing to an upcoming credit crunch due to higher interest rates and a slowdown in lending by banks. Let's get some strategic help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with creditcards.com based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. And let's talk about credit cards, especially if you're carrying a balance. How does this credit crunch affect you and your bottom line? One thing that does often happen during recessions is that credit card issuers get tighter, not only with new applicants, but even with their existing customers. So I think it's just a good reminder not to use your credit card as your emergency fund, because there's a chance that your credit limit could get cut, especially if you're exhibiting some kind of risky behavior like paying late or maxing out the card. But sometimes it's for non-use. So that's just a good reminder. We don't see it as much during good economic times, but rather more so when there's a downturn. And then uh, once again, you know, how much, uh, what, what's the average uh, credit card balance that's carried by the American consumer month over month? It's about $5,800, according to TransUnion, and roughly half of cardholders carry debt from month to month. The average interest rate is just over 20%, which is a record high. So there's a tremendous difference between somebody who uses a credit card for rewards and convenience and pays in full and life is great versus someone who's financing this debt. I mean, no shame. A lot of people have credit card debt. It's often for very practical reasons, but you have to pay it off as soon as possible. Look into a 0% balance transfer card. That's a good way to pause that interest clock for up to 21 months. And then uh, one other piece of advice you mentioned on, uh, on the credit card front is getting rid of rewards cards. Why is that? It really gets back to that idea that if you're carrying a balance, rewards are not worth it because it doesn't make sense to pay 20% in interest just to get 1% or 2 or even 5 or 6% in cash back or airline miles. So what I would say is if you have credit card debt, put that interest rate first. So either get a 0% balance transfer card or follow another debt payoff strategy like 
maybe a personal loan as a form of debt consolidation or nonprofit credit counseling or even just sticking to cash or debit for a while because you're losing money every month if you're trading a 20% interest rate for a lesser amount of rewards. And then uh, if you find yourself simply unable to uh, make ends meet, uh, in addition to just uh, trying to cut your credit card debt and uh, basic, uh, and, and reducing some of your interest-related expenses, you know, you might want to think about just getting a, a second job. Uh, a lot of people have a side hustle these days. Side hustles are a great way to pay off credit card debt. It doesn't have to be forever, but even if you just do it for a few months, a dollar saved is a dollar earned, right? And with the average credit card rate over 20%, I really think this needs to be much more of a priority than other loans. I mean, of course, you want to keep up with the monthly minimums, but anything above the minimum, I think, should go to a credit card. You know, it's important to have savings too, but you want to strike that balance because if you're paying 20% interest month after month, that really is a big deal. It's tax refund season, too. So that's another idea. Maybe use some of your refund for debt payoff, especially credit card debt payoff, and maybe save some for the proverbial rainy day. That's also a buffer against future credit card debt. And then lastly, we do talk about credit card debt because it does carry a 20% interest rate. But what about people who uh, accessed home equity lines of credit or tried to uh, uh, borrow against their home, maybe when interest rates were a lot lower three or four years ago, and are now dealing with uh, considerably higher interest rates now because it's tied to the prime rate? That's a good point. Yeah, home equity lines of credit, just like credit cards, adjust. And the Fed has pushed rates so much higher over the past year that, yeah, there can really be some sticker shock there. One idea specific to HELOCs would be perhaps ask your lender if you can convert into a fixed rate product. So maybe just freeze your balance where it is, move into a a fixed rate home equity loan. Unfortunately, though, a lot of the damage has already been done where these rates have already gone up a lot. We think we're probably pretty close to the Fed's rate hikes ending, but then they may plateau for a while. So yeah, yeah, that's another one that is definitely important to make payoff a, a priority. Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come a view of the economy from the CEO's chair. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The actions of CEOs indicate they believe the U.S. stock market is undervalued. Let's learn more from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. And uh, what type of special intel does the corner office have access to? Well, they obviously know more about what's going on with their company than outsiders like you or me. And so we try to pay attention to their actions. And the key thing is the, the, in that comment is actions. We don't look at their words. More or less, the job description of every CEO in the country is to talk up their stock price. Basically, they think their companies are always going to be the the best bet. So instead of looking at the words, you look at what they're doing and look at what that betrays as to what they must really believe. And that's what I 
focused on in a recent column, it turns out that uh, a lot of companies engage in, in mergers and acquisitions, and it's very interesting to see whether they use cash to pay for those mergers and acquisitions or whether they use their own stock. If they really believe their stock is undervalued, then they're going to hold on to it and use cash instead or even borrow the money and pay interest on it. And that's exactly what they've been doing this year. Almost all M&A activity over the last year, especially the first quarter of this year, was paid for with cash. And if, if they believe their stock is undervalued, that implies they believe there is also a great deal of upside to the stock market. I think that's right. And that's the broader conclusion that I think is worthwhile drawing here, which is that when there's a lot of uh, merger and acquisition activity that's being paid for with shares, uh, that usually is a bad sign. And the perhaps the, the best example historically is at the top of the Internet bubble. It turns out that the largest acquisition in U.S. history was when AOL took over Time Warner. It was a $350 billion deal, and it was paid for all with shares. And it wasn't unusual, even even though it was larger than uh, than most others. Most other acquisitions in that period were being paid for with shares. And as we all know now, that was not a very good time to get in the market. And once again, everything is about time horizons uh, in, in the stock market and on this program, too. If there's anything you learn from this show, it's all about time horizons. And that is, this points to an encouraging long-term trend, but uh, it, it, it won't help you play the market in the next month or two. That's a very good point, and I'm glad that you emphasize it. This is this is a longer-term bet. I mean, I don't know whether you define the long-term as five or ten years. I, the, the researchers I focused, who on, focused on this issue with tended to say maybe a two- or three-year horizon, maybe as short as one year, but it definitely is not going to help us the next week or month or quarter. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.